Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and we're back in Manchester. Back. Colder climbs for Samuel and I after our Asian adventure in the Far East, watching United win five games. They also won four games. Four in the games, Far East, I suppose. Yeah, they made it five this week. We're colder in Oslo, actually, than Manchester, just about. Yeah, yeah. Probably, I think maybe, I think we maybe got a bit drier uh, though. Yeah, we we got the uh, the better part of the deal. Yeah, it's. I guess we were we were just sweating through through the with all the due wrong. respect to our Norwegians, yeah. of course. Which are, are there are many, I believe. Yeah. yeah, not looked at the stats of how it breaks down, but I'm pretty sure there was quite a. Avin from the um, supporters club, uh, he, he's pretty quick listening. Is he? on these well, things? So uh, he, he's he's got a shout out there. So hopefully that that makes his Friday. Yeah, and if he ever wants to ask a question, then he, he can feel free to tweet either of us. And like I said, if you have do have any questions for future episodes, please do get involved on social media. It's probably the easiest way to, to ask your questions and we will get them answered as best we can. But Samuel, as we said, United were in Oslo earlier in the week to play Christiansund, uh, Solskjaer's local side. Um, they did make it five wins in a row, but it didn't really feel like a win, did it? It was... Well, a good one for for us to miss, really, in that aspect. I know our colleagues went out and did that game, so yeah, I'm kind of glad I missed that. Not true to us, though. No offense that suffices on on the game itself. The only thing that people gleaned from it was the fact that he played a team that you could more or less see starting against uh, Chelsea, with the exception of. Matic, you know, I think yeah. you'd have Pogba in for Matic, obviously. Would you, Sol- play Pog- uh, would you play Pogba and McTominay side yeah. by side? Still? Yeah, I would. I just think it's worked well in pre-season. I know as we go back to five years ago when they won six games or whatever it was in pre-season, then they got done by Swansea on the opening day, that it can mean very little. But the difference back then was that Van Gaal didn't have a full squad and they had only made two or three signings at that point. Di Maria hadn't come in. Whereas in this case they've they've had a full squad to pretty much work with in the season I don't think anybody really cares about Alexis Sanchez uh, I don't think you know I think it's safe to say it's a full squad with or without him so that they're in a good position in terms of the fitness in terms of the the understanding they've developed um I mean I, I must I must credit Paul Hurst of the times for um, giving me the idea but in terms of looking at the minutes the playing time of the players and the breakdown of that it, it was interesting to see that I think Wambasaka and James and Anthony Marshall are the three who've played the most minutes on 258 now with the two signings it's understandable they needed need to integrate you need to fast track that the fact that Marshall's up there with them I think is the most striking thing mm. about it in that I think at the start of the tour we'd have said he's probably not going to start the first game of the season against Chelsea but he has graduate certainly on on the Australian Asian legs he improved very very gradually to the point that he was pretty good against Tottenham in that last game even though he only played a half uh, and at, at, at this stage you'd probably say he will start against Chelsea and, and Solskjaer made the subtle reference about how his, his work rate is improving which he needs to improve Mourinho was banging, banging on about that as well and it seems as though um, because another manager is banging on about it, it's it's as though it, it was a part of his game that he did need to work on. And just going away from those three, I think ten players overall have broken the two hundred minute barrier, or ten outfield players as well. Matic is one of them. I think looking at those players, I think Lindelof, Wambasaka, uh, Shaw, McTominay, Pogba, Matic, Lingard, James. Rashford Marshall I think you could see about nine of them starting against Chelsea next week eight or nine anyway give or take um, the the one thing to take away from that is that it's only one set, one centre back that's played more than 200 minutes which is Lindelof and that's because they want a partner for him they want Maguire if it's not Maguire I'd say you'd probably put your money on Jones uh, to start against Chelsea if they don't get Maguire over the line um, but I think it's probably out of it's, it's between Jones and Tunzibi. I think Jones has only played some like 11 minutes more than Tunzibi on pre-season, whereas Smalling is way down on 135 minutes. He's actually had 
less game time than Marcus Rojo. I was going to mention Rojo because he has actually sort of had the surprising amount of game time during pre-season yeah. and there has always been that sort of the feeling in the back of your head particularly at Spurs where you thought if he plays well you can you can see him maybe <laughs> somehow trying to revive his career and being being quite involved maybe next season because I guess the fact that he's left-footed gives that balance to, to Lindelof and I guess playing that from the back maybe suits him kind of kind of okay. He's, they're all a bit erratic aren't they? But uh, Well that's what I guess, Van Gaal saw in him um, yeah. the, the ability to actually pass the ball and, and be left-footed. Van Gaal had that obsessive insistence that it had to be a right-footed and left-footed uh, centre-backs just to kind of address the balance there. Um, but, I mean, he's still a player that United would, would happily sell if a buyer came came in mm. for him. I think the problem they've got there is that he's on big wages. Uh, he's, he's still... He's, his contract's got two years left to run on it. So they're not going to really want to make a major loss on him. Whereas with Darmian, I think it's just to the point of like someone take him, anyone, however much you, you come in for with him. Uh, even though I'd say Darmian's the superior defender out of him and Rojo. So I still wouldn't be surprised if Rojo is not on the bench next week because I still think you need to treat Deadwood like Deadwood, which is, is what he is. He shouldn't be at the club anymore. Um, they could have released him by now, but... Some bright spark decided to give him a new contract last year. Of course, Rojo's perhaps best game of last season was against Chelsea at home. He almost scored very the winner good. late on as well, oh, didn't oh, he? Oh, last season, jeez. Last I, season. I thought you meant a couple of seasons ago yeah, when he played he was with very good. Bay, um, which was probably the probably the best performance they had under yeah. Mourinho. That, that Even in that win. horror show, though, in April, was it? He almost scored that winner right at the he end. He did, that having, cleared having the am- nearly amputated yeah, someone. two slight like, tackles I in I can't room. remember who it was now. Yeah, but, was yeah, it William Pedro or something? He, he was on for about 10 minutes, should have been sent off twice and nearly scored the winner. Oh, Marcus Rojo. Yeah, just just some things never changed, did they? Uh, so as we said, five wins from five. Um, there wasn't, like I said, anything else really to take from the game. But Scott McTominay again did impress. I guess the fact yes. that Pogba didn't start gave him more of an opportunity to do so. What do you see from Scott McTominay? You said you that you expect him to start against Chelsea, but what role do you actually think? Because on one hand, the fact that he's so versatile plays into his own, and it's it's fantastic. You've got a player like him who can do a job in any part of midfield but do you think he needs to specialise in one role and to sort of become a more definitive sort of a box-to-box or a playmaker or an anchor in midfield someone who who can do maybe a specialist in one job rather than being okay at a lot of them if you look at his development since he broke into the the, the first team squad it's almost if that first full season under Mourinho it was defensive minded mm. sit there passable simply don't do too much and that's why people thought he's Mourinho's Paddy McNair what does he actually yeah. bring and then last season obviously it's split into two halves with two different managers but he didn't get into Solskjaer's thinking until about two months into Solskjaer's reign I think it was probably that Liverpool game in late February and that was mainly enforced by by injuries but Solskjaer there was a comment he came out with around that time saying he's looking forward to playing McTominay in a more attacking role when we all heard that and thought, what's he talking yeah. about? Just usual waffle. But he has developed that side of his game in that he got a couple of goals last season, not brilliant goals. I think both of them were probably gone, yeah. keeper errors. But he's he's become a bit of a, a tempo setter there in that he is a very aggressive player. Um he, he, he's got a bit of purpose about him when he gets the ball he wants to drive forward with it Pereira is a little bit certainly on pre-season has looked a bit similar in that respect but Matomini just looks stronger I think the fact that he you know he had that growth spurt and I think that's probably been the difference between him having a career at United and having a career in League One as antiquated as it sounds there's always been this bugbear in English football that you're judged on your height mm. which given like you look in the modern game the amount of brilliant players under six foot I mean you lose count of them there's three in this room yeah <laughs> but I think given Mourinho had this preference for tall players or certainly liked tall players that enabled McTominay to get into the team uh, or into the squad and, and he has stayed there but I think we saw a picture of him on, on social media before he came back into pre-season how much he'd been working out and, and he was like the, the physique on him was was something to behold and he's not going to be cowed by any opponents I think one of the things that probably the most impressive thing about him more pre-season and it sounds a bit disingenuous but I genuinely mean it as a compliment was when Sissoko stamped mm. on James 
and McTominay was straight over to confront him, saying to the referee that he had stamped on him, trying to trying to get him sent off, showing a bit of leadership. And United have really lacked that forthright figurehead on the pitch. I mean, I don't think he's going to be captain, and, and rightly so, but if you've got a little cabal of players who are always going to be in the referee's ear, who are always going to be fronting up to an opponent after he's wronged one of their mates. And that's good because United haven't had that. They've been too standoffish. Particularly with Valencia and Herrera going, two of the more sort of physical and confrontational figures. Well, Valencia... I just remember Valencia... On Raheem Sterling. Sterling in that Miami friendly. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah before, um, before the World Cup. But Herrera did have that about him, yeah. definitely. And I think McTominay's got that in his locker as well, which in, in a squad that, I mean, Matic was only saying in Singapore, I think it was to the Sunday guys, how there's there's not enough experience, blah, 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 which you think is pretty, pretty um, uh, well timed for him to say that yeah. when he's playing poorly and I don't think anybody would sense. really have him in the first time that they need experience but he has got a point and McTominay he, he's been around the first team set up for over two years now he's been on three tours which is pretty good going so it's it's got to the point now where you can't really call him a young player for much longer and he ended last season as a first teamer and I think he certainly deserves to start this season as a first teamer we shall see what what next week has has in store for him, really. But I guess the whole point, like you said, there is that he, he is there on merit now. It's not just, I guess, playing with the Mourinho doing a disservice because he was being told just to keep it simple, not really express himself. But I guess being able to express yourself is the the new way under Solskjaer. It seems like the the team are connecting a bit better, and we even saw against Christiansen's, even though they were so maybe poor in the final third, that there is maybe a a real focus on attacking this this season and. They are trying to not just be solely on the counter-attack, aren't they, United? But are you convinced that they can't actually break teams down when it, when it comes to the nitty-gritty? Because for up pre-season, they've still seen better on the break, catching teams out. It's it's obviously, it came up a lot in the Leeds game where they were doing them on the counter and there were a couple of chances against Inter. I do think they have got a more, they look more comfortable with a controlled style and having Pogba in a deeper role is has helped that because that's what he's doing now. He's not, and and Solskjaer touched upon it, and I'm glad I'm glad he did because I think I re- referred to it in his piece, and that Pogba's arguably got more more freedom playing that role mm. because when it comes to attacking, he can either sit back and get ready for the yeah. ball to come on the edge of the area and have a shot at goal, or he can burst into the area and you know make a late run like like Paul Scholes used to do. So I think they're in the process of doing that well. I mean, we we all did the fit, fitness feature in um, in Asia, and there were loads of stats. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but they are monitoring sprints, distance covered, things like that, so that the players are in uh, have the right conditioning to be able to play at a high tempo, be able to press, get the ball back. That's what they want to do. Solskjaer, De Gea, sure. They've all said they want to play out from the back, which is bad news for someone like Smalling, which is why he's fallen down the pecking order. And, I mean, as, as a touch upon, I think it was in the podcast we did in Singapore, Shanghai, it's it's almost as if it's taken them 11 years, having seen what Guardiola's Barcelona did, to think, ah, we need to play out from the back. We need to press. We need to win the ball back quickly. United have literally never played that way. Apart, I mean, at the start of Solskjaer's reign, I can't really remember them playing out from the back. But there was certainly a, an attempt to not just hoof the ball forward. Mm-hmm. It, with the defenders, I remember they were. Th- I think McKenna was throwing the ball up in the air for them, and rather than just heading it away, they were trying to head it to the side yeah. to find one of the fullbacks. So it's been a working process there, and I think McKenna the way he got the youth team playing has had a big impact on that as well. Uh, I was speaking to Tony Strudwick last season, who was obviously United for years on the fitness side and the first team, he called him a new wave coach. And you can certainly see with the teenagers coming in and the way they've slotted in seamlessly um, that McKenna has had an impact on that side of things. If United do well, that might be a feature along the line, like how Kieran McKenna's, (laughs) uh, you know, heralded the the new Man United or something like that. So 
I mean, Solskjaer is Solskjaer's been very modest about how how he approaches management and that he allows the coaches to coach. And Shaw did pick out. He didn't name Feeling. He named Carrick, McKenna, and Mark Dempsey before before he left the tour. Was the ones who were really overseeing the, the training side of things. So. Um, it seems like I mean it's been a successful preseason so far. They've they've looked good. They've been good to watch. But as I said, you know you can still end up with with egg on your face on the first game of the season when the competitive stuff begins. Yeah, and Sasha did warn. He was speaking yesterday. He said that it counts for nothing really preseason. But it's good to have under your belt and all those cliches. Uh, I guess maybe the the real positive for United fans is the fact that it does look like when they go onto the pitch there's an actual clear idea now of maybe what their, their style of play actually is because I know throughout last season you were saying like what do they actually do on the train I know Charlotte used to say it a lot what do they do on the training pitch like you can't tell it mainly under Mourinho that, that that was true really and maybe towards the end under Solskjaer but now that he's had this pre-season the fitness is a clear improvement regardless of if, whether the results will be but we're starting to see now what Solskjaer is as a manager I guess and that I guess that he has transformed himself from, from those Cardiff days and it does seem like there is a new identity to United but like you said it remains to be seen if it'll actually work when they face Chelsea a week, yes. on, a week on Sunday yes do you, do you have any confidence that it will though like do you think there is no reason to believe United can actually do something proper this season Mm. Um, do you think they've improved? I think that's probably a better question to ask gone 5pm on Thursday I think now they're back in Europe it's the the pre-season games as they should do are falling into the background yeah. and it's about who they're going to bring in before the deadline because as somebody said the other, I think I saw a fan tweet it the other night it was like it was a gif of someone looking frightened saying look at that that team we're starting pretty much uh, because it only had two new additions and you've got Phil Jones still there um, th- there's probably still going to be some scepticism about as, as to how long Marshall's the, the new improved Anthony Marshall's work rate continues for uh, particularly if the you know if the chips are down is he going to still be putting a shift in um, Luke Shaw's had quite an underwhelming pre-season as well I thought there, there was some straw clutching from the club account on Twitter when they um, I think they tweeted about a five second clip of De Gea controlling the ball oh this God, week yeah. From a, which I was thinking back like, us guys we can do that in five yeah. side <laughs> we actually can do that yeah, as well. we, yeah it's not even it's not even an exaggeration <laughs> that we, we, we can yeah I guess that was the whole point because it's difficult one when you are club media because you've got to try sell it somehow but the way they had to sell at Christiansen's game it was like here's the best bits from last night here's McTominay having a shot that goes over the yeah, bar here's, here's Dallo celebrating a, a, a penalty award um, yeah. it's a difficult one isn't it but yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd still with the team they've got at the moment I'd have confidence in them beating Chelsea I'm not I would not necessarily be confident with them finishing in the top four which that that's the aim this season uh, as, as Solskjaer said himself it's, it's going to take it's going to be miraculous if they challenge for the league uh, a lot of things would have to fall into place a lot of thing, a lot of players would have to click and you know you get rid of the right players you get the right players in it's it, again I've, I've been asked for my table prediction already and I said what well, <laughs> I said what's the point in doing it because yeah. there's so still six days left of the of the transfer window and yes you shouldn't necessarily judge a club by their transfers absolutely. But one. I'd still have Liverpool in the top two, even though they've signed some Dutch teenager. I think he's been the only addition. But Harvey Elliott as well, the uh, <laughs> outspoken, uh, <laughs> yeah, in the, trouble uh, for the wrong reasons. Yeah, at the moment. Tra- yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I'd still hesitate to say United are going to finish in the top four as it stands. But of course, they're working on Maguire. They, they're looking at Dybala as well. And if they get those two in, suddenly it's a different outlook on things. Yeah, that brings us nicely on to the next subject, which is transfer-related. Uh, I guess Harry Maguire is probably the best place to start. And like I said, United are still confident that they can complete a deal for Harry Maguire. But at the moment, it's just about finding that transfer fee. Still off in evaluations is is the latest, is it? On- it's... It is panning out very similarly to the Wan-Bissaka negotiations in the Palace dug in and were looking for a lot more money up front. But United, in the end, got him 45 million up front plus 5 million in add-ons, which I think over as an overall package was still, despite the rawness, despite the risk, the age, mm. how long he's been playing the Premier League, I thought was pretty good going given that 
there's a United tax, given that they were desperate for a right back. He was a priority. All these reasons, I thought that's not too bad. And so far, so good. He's been really good in pre-season. I think he's won a couple of man the match awards um, from fan votes on the on the club count on Twitter. But he has just objectively been very good. He's improved the attack. He's got to carry that over into the competitive campaign. So with Maguire, it, it is a similar case in that you're teetering around that record fee for a position with Wan-Bissaka it, it was quite close to a record fee for well it would have been had Bayern not signed mm. uh, Pavard and Hernandez but domestically anyway for, for a Premier League club to pay that amount for a, for a right back or a full back with Maguire if United get him it, he will be the world's most expensive defender um, whether it's 75 million up front with add-ons or, or whatever you know, it, that that will be yeah. he, he will take over Van Dijk if United do sign him and given that Leicester have been looking for an excess of £90 million but United are still persisting it, the, the, the understanding from my part anyway has been that they've always been confident of negotiating that down and if they weren't confident of getting him in for a fee, um, the fee's going to raise eyebrows anyway I don't think it should necessarily but it is because yeah. He's an England national and he'd be a United player. But if they had no confidence in getting that done, they'd have walked away by now and they'd have gone on to a fallback option. Um, so, as I said, th- there is there is optimism there. Um, I mean, some of the phrases that have been used in, t- in regards to it from um, people privy to the information, I've been very reluctant to use in copy because you, you don't yeah. get to the time frame, you don't want to go all out that yeah. this is definitely happening um, you've got some clowns still saying that Bruno Fernandes is agreeing terms with United this week and we'll from get on all to corners of the globe uh, get onto him I, later I, I'm looking forward to getting onto him um, set the record straight yeah <laughs> so I think my, my gut instinct would be that they probably will get Maguire done um I think I predict, I've said it before, I, I thought they might end the window with, with three signings and I'd probably just about stick to that. Three and a half. When, <laughs> when, when the Dybala stuff uh, came out, I was quite sceptical about it because you just look at it from his perspective, even though his club wants to get rid of him, it's, okay, I've, I'm playing in a team that I play are always going to be yeah. the won the favourites for the Champions League they're going for the Champions League again this season they've just bought De Ligt just bought got Cristiano Ronaldo yeah I've got Ronaldo I could play with despite what they're trying to yeah. do with me I look at Douglas Costa I look at Mandzukic I look Adeshi, at Higuain yeah I think I'm better than all of you there's only Ronaldo who I'm probably not better than and Ramsey if I, yeah if I stick if I stick it out then I'll, I'll probably force my way into the team it's a new coach as well um, who had his best season in Italy without playing with a traditional centre forward, which Dybala isn't. He's he's like a playmaker. He could be, he's one of those fluid figureheads. So he looks at that, and then he looks at United and thinks, okay, my mate's there, Pogba, which is good. Uh, I can link up with him. But then I look at elsewhere in the team. There's a left winger who's just coming from Swansea. There's Jesse Lingard, who has his merits, but... It's Jesse Lingard. Mm. Uh, the other players are raw. There's no proven quality. There's not enough proven quality in that squad. They've not won the league for six years. And I'm going to be playing in the Europa League. Is it worth... The only reason I'd want to go there is if I, if it was if I were to get a massive wage hike. And you must really like Paul Pogba. Yeah. <laughs> I like my best mate, but if I saw him every day, I don't yeah. think he'd be my best mate anymore. But, he would, but obviously, he's after a massive wage hike. And yeah. as soon as... I was told that I thought if United have got any sense here they've got to be just saying to Inter look are you going to come back in with the money you're going to get I mean nine Golan's going on loan to Cagliari I think it is which doesn't really solve um, a problem for them because it's not a fee that Inter are yeah. getting and Inter have always been of the feeling that they need to sell players to generate more funds to sign Lukaku um, but from United's perspective they've been ultra cautious about it because the Dybala thing he is I think he doesn't want to go well I don't think that I've been told he doesn't want to go um, but when your club want to sell you you think okay well I've got to see what 
the perspective students are going to have to say United are an esteemed club they might give me an awful lot of money I once tweeted that I like the stadium yeah yeah exactly (laughs) stuff like that doesn't suffice but for me as I said when when the news broke all the um, the, the, the hyenas on Twitter were like great brilliant you know Dybala uh, because they love him on FIFA because he is he is legitimately a brilliant talent but and he knows I, how to dab, doesn't he? So, <laughs> Graham Sooners, watch out. But I know, but I know from experience having thought Sanchez was a brilliant signing that I, mm. I, I even said at the time when Sanchez was clearly shot, I thought I can't be like this again. And I know Dybala is five years younger, but he has got the makings of Demery and Mark II, or he's got the makings of Tevez' first season. It wouldn't surprise me if he were to go to United that he'd be a flop or he'd be brilliant. a hit. No, me, yeah, yeah, because. Just because of the, the situation, in that he is brilliant talent, he is quality. He'd have Pogba to play with, but he'd be going into a team that is well was sixth best last season in the Premier League. Is still very much in a transitional phase, and has still got an awful lot of dross there to get rid of. And you can see it come the end of the season that if Lukaku's gone to Juventus and Dybala's gone to United, Lukaku will have scored more goals. Now, you shouldn't be judging the quality of signing on that, but you can still see it happening. And let's face it, Juventus have set the bar on how to do transfers in the last eight years. United have set the bar low on how not to do transfers. And so when the two clubs come together for a swap arrangement, even though Dybala, I'd argue, and most people would argue, is a better player than Lukaku. It's a concern where it's like Juve trying to get rid of him, though. Yeah, yeah. You can still... Exactly, it's like... A couple of years ago, James Rodriguez, look, wow. you know, come in, come in, Mr. Woodward, we've been expecting you, but United resisted. And it's now like, well, everyone has a breaking point. But I mean, how many times in recent years have United gone for marquee forwards or superstar forwards and they've just been absolute flops? I mean, Dybala is not a foul cow, his knee isn't shot or anything like that, but it's com- in, in the same summer where you're saying we're not buying bail for this reason it seems a bit hypocritical from my point of view to then go yes. well, we'll take the baller yeah and they'll say well he's a long term player he's 25 yeah. um, Ole said on that podcast in March yeah. to the Norwegian guys who came over that um, that you know he'd be a no brainer as well so it fits in with that but there is still an element of hypocrisy there so I mean, I'm into him. I say I think overall he is just about worth a punt because he's part of a swap deal, and yeah. as, as long as you, the expense yeah. isn't there. Whereas with Di Maria, it was 59.7 million pounds there to write that off within a year, and and also on top of that, in terms of the Di Maria parallels, Dybala's preference is not to go to United; it's stay at Juventus. Di Maria's preference was to go to Paris Saint Germain, not United. So you're already into Di Maria territory, and the a player joining because players joining because he does doesn't want to because what his ideal scenario is being taken away from him and he's going to be going on big wages as well so there you go christmas is ruined (laughs) but again like this this is why they need a technical director someone who is going to make that kind of judgment call on it rather than just being blinded by stardust which Come, I mean, the fact that it's coming at this time in the window is not a surprise as well in the United have only signed two players. They've not signed a player who is going to fit in on the right-hand side, which Dybala would. So it's opportunistic, it's convenient, but he is a cracking player. I mean, I've, I'm fortunate to have watched him twice in the flesh last season and he was, he was brilliant to watch on, on both occasions so there'd be some fun attached to it but I'm not convinced that he would be a hit uh, but at, at the same time I could see him being a hit the trouble is given United's recent track record you always got to expect the worst just, yeah exactly I guess the final bit on, on Dybala in a way is do you see any way that Lukaku will still be a minor to play this time next week? We're calling this on the Friday. Doesn't yeah, I could. I guess I he's got ages to leave, hasn't he? In that Dybala could dig him, his but... heels in and say, look, I'm not going. I'm just, I don't want to go. I want to stay here. I want to fight for my place, blah, blah, blah. He might have uh, encouraging talks with Sarri, which would leave him of the mindset that, right, I'm, this is definitely the place to still be. I'm playing for one of the best best clubs in Europe on the certainly probably won the top three or four contenders for the Champions League you'd imagine or top five anyway um, Inter don't have the cash for, for Lukaku they've 
undermined his value as well. Um, as checking in earlier, I was just told there's no news as of today at the moment. So I still think Lukaku could end up at United. And in fairness, I think United would be of the mindset that uh, of the outlook that that he could still be an asset. We shall see. It's the excitement, like you said, only one week ago, Samuel. Don't worry. I guess <laughs> six days. Yeah, six <laughs> days. We'll keep it counting. Um, Bruno Fernandez. Sounds like Spurs have managed to hijack a deal United were never interested in. How, how has that happened? Bruno Fernandez uh, seems to be the most popular was, player on social media, yeah, but I, United. Thankfully, I was off on Thursday, so I didn't have to have Twitter up constantly. Well. Arsenal fans, Arsenal's hyenas were kind of uh, celebrating the signing of, <laughs> of a guy who yeah. could be just as um, much a flat track bully as their as their other forwards. But on on uh, but so I don't know if anyone actually said Arsenal beat Manchester United to Nicolas Pepe signing. I'm sure they did. Um, but with that. On Pepe, I mean, I'm glad I did it last week um, as a line, but with Pepe, there were no discussions. There was a certain journalist who said there were discussions. Um, God. Which I think people can guess who that journalist is. Um, he's closely associated to an agent who is also closely associated to the Lille sporting director, Luis Campos. So that tactic worked a treat for Lille in the they planted, sorry, fabricated stories that United were in for a player. They never were. But it, success, it successfully whipped up an auction. Napoli bid for the player. Arsenal bid for the player. Same amount. The player ends up going to Arsenal. Lille get a lot of money. So it's great for Lille. But United were never in um, discussions with the club for Pepe. With Fernandez, United do like him, have liked him, whatever you want to call it. Um yeah, they admire him is, is probably the, the fairest phrase to use but they've never submitted a bid I think there have been it's been the odd informal meeting this summer but they've never bid for him to Sporting they've not agreed personal terms they've never even touched upon that but Sporting are desperate to sell him because they know his resale value at the moment is really high. It just stinks of Milinkovic Saric from last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's and, exactly and it's, it's happened, talking it up every yeah. week new updates every week and it's yeah. happened with other clubs um, but the funny thing about the whole Tottenham thing is that um, the certain journalist said that Tottenham had sent a two-person delegation, including Matthew Colcott, to Lisbon to discuss the transfer of Bruno Fernandes. I've, I hadn't heard of Colcott, but I was told by someone who does know the two people who have been sent out to Lisbon. This is so funny. Matthew is on holiday and has nothing to do with transfers at Spurs. <laughs> They've just made a name. Yeah. That's uh, So the two chaps who have flown out, and they're not employees of Tottenham either, they're, they are in, intermediaries yeah. negotiating on their behalf, were informed that they they weren't these two people, <laughs> it was someone else, and uh, they couldn't stop laughing was the phrase <laughs> that was used to me. Spurs haven't li- literally haven't sent anyone out there, but of course they're touching base to see whether it would be possible yeah. to sign him it's common practice for intermediaries to act on behalf of clubs to sign a player they're given a mandate and because they're specialists in negotiating they're the ones who go ahead and do it I don't think Tottenham have got a sporting director either so it kind of makes sense to go and hire some guys to go out and, and try and try and conclude a deal or at least gauge the possibility of doing a deal and with sporting um, with sorry, with Fernandez, the the main interest in him, or certainly the clubs linked the most with him, have been Spurs and United, and of course Premier League clubs only have until next Thursday to make these signings. Uh, so, Sporting are in a rush to to get rid of him to get that money in, and that's why Tottenham have gone out there. But United, what I was told last week was that they've been irritated by the Fernandes reports and the coverage in Portugal and in other parts of, of Europe, uh, a little a little similar to what they used to have with Gaitan. Um, Garay, Schneider. <laughs> Got them all. We can make an, I think we should make an 11. I mean, with Schneider, they, they did want yeah. him in that summer of 2011, I think it was. And then he, his name just seemed to crop up every other summer since. Include, particularly when Van Gaal came in as well. Yeah. There must be some others as well. Yeah. If anyone's, if anyone's listening, feel free to tweet us <laughs> with, your, with your list of players who are always linked, perpetually linked to United. But it, it, it's 
clearly got to the point where United prioritise the Maguire deal, even though, and they were looking at uh, Longstaff as a midfield option. They looked at Rabiot, but realistically thought that was never going to happen because they didn't have Champions League football to offer. Um, And it seems like the midfielder has gone on the back burner and now it's, right, need a defender. So Maguire and... If Lukaku goes, need a replacement, it's a possible swap deal, it's Dybala. So it's those two they're focused on. And as I said, when we spoke to Solskjaer at the, the team hotel in Perth and I brought up, what are you going to do about Herrera and Fellaini going you know, in terms yeah, of replacements? Said. And then he said, well, McTominay and Pereira can, can replace Herrera. 20 games they could start each next season. Yeah, said, so. um, it's, it's not... It's not ideal that they do need another midfielder, but as it stands, that is looking highly unlikely, particularly since Newcastle quoted 50 million for Longstaff, which is just absurd. Pre- yeah, yeah. It, it is. I was going to say preposterous, but absurd is it? Well, is, is it together? Pro- <laughs> preposterous, or? preposterously absurd, or yeah. absurdly preposterous. I just got hybrid those two words <laughs> together. So I'm guessing the final bit on transfers, United can sign one player before next Thursday's deadline. Realistically, who would you choose? Oh, who would I choose? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Older viral. <laughs> that would be very United. I, I, wait for the release yeah, clause. Yeah, wait for the release clause. And then to, just whack to, it. Yeah. yeah. I, again, I, I know they weren't going to do it because he's, t- he's too Mourinho. Um, yeah. But there would have been an awful lot of sense in triggering that release clause. For and one, it's still yeah. weird that a club out there haven't. Did, sorry, didn't trigger it while he was available for £25 million. And I know Alderweireld would have dropped down to the Europa League, but the wages he needed for two seasons. And then Twanzebe could take his place theoretically if he's yeah. too properly, whatever. Yeah, it's, just... yeah. It's, it's, it's peculiar that a club didn't didn't trigger that, even though you look at, I suppose, Bayern Munich have signed Pavard as their centre-back. Dortmund have got Hummels in. Juve have got De Ligt. Madrid got Ramos on a new deal. Um at Barcelona, you've got PK and Longley still, yeah. and Umtiti is still yeah. still hovering there. Um, I suppose City, yeah. City would have been logical given that company similar age has just left. Chelsea, do they? Can't sign anyone. Touche. <laughs> and that's why Samuel is going to be the next technical director of Man United. That would be, that would be typical. No, it wouldn't. Some, some have joked about me uh, joining the club at a later date, but I don't That I, sort I of knowledge. Happen, that sort of no. knowledge, knowing that Chelsea, the, that, that one was kind of like the phrase used, but no, 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 no. no. We shall see. I'll, I'll leave on that, on that bombshell. But uh, I don't know if I've even got, I doubt I've even got odds on, on me being technical director. So. If, if it if, were to it, happen, it yeah, would be the any, longest odds in history. That if there any are bookmaker no wants to price those up, then feel free. And if anyone's if anyone bets on that, I really feel sorry for you. We don't condone betting here, but my words. We have a quiz for you now, Samuel. United and you travel down to Cardiff on Saturday to take on AC Milan. United have played at the Millennium Stadium. I'm not going to use the other name because it's not called that. Right. Eight times. Can you name all seven goal scorers? We will give you until after this short break to think of the answers. Hello and welcome back to the Manchester's Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Just before the break, I left Samuel with the unenviable teaser of naming the seven different goal scorers United have had at the Millennium Stadium. They face AC Milan there in their final pre-season fixture on Saturday evening at 5.36pm on the dot. Samuel, United have played there eight times. Seven different goal scorers. Do you want to reel them off? Van Nistelrooy. Rude Van Nistelrooy. Yes. Alan Smith. Yes. Ronaldo. Yes. Skulls. Yes. Okay. Seven. It says three more. Yeah, yeah, three more. So you've got Ronaldo, Van Nistelrooy. Silvestra. Mikel Silvestra. Two more. Pressure mounting then. Oh, um, Rooney. Wayne Rooney. Saha. Bish, bash, bosh. <laughs> the technical director who can name. <laughs> he knows. That's the United DNA. That's what oh. you need. He knows it all. It's a phrase I would never use as well. So I think that, that, that gives. <laughs> That's another selling that, that point makes, here, Yeah, isn't it? it makes me more Those odds are getting shorter every second here. <laughs> Do you remember any of those specifically? Any real good memories of playing in South Wales? Um, the, I think I think just the, the the stadium is just 
fantastic compared to Wembley and the the walk up the feels the, really the sort of Italian it feels like the San Siro almost just on top the, the, of it all the pubs en route to the yeah. ground as well Chippy uh, Lane yeah it, it, I mean oh. it's been a long time since I last went back there but it's it's a fantastic stadium it's it's pity in a way that Wales haven't made it work from the football yeah. side and it's become more it's good for the rugby but no yeah, really more, yeah it's I'm rugby farm um, I'm not but <laughs> I suppose Ronaldo's performance in the 2004 final was the one that stands out that sticks out Paul Scholes has missed penalty well the funny thing about that is that there's that much loved picture of them lined up because of the quality in the (laughs) picture in the black kit yeah the rain it's, it, they're in the midst of losing a penalty shootout after a game of absolutely dominating yeah, against yeah. the fierce rivals in the same month that the takeover happened and Liverpool won the Champions League so and in terms of fans saying like, can't we go back to this day yeah yeah it's it's the it really is the the, the blackest <laughs> of maze there's ever been in United's history <coughs> wonderful well let's hope it's a bit of a sunnier Saturday when you face AC Milan tomorrow night uh Team news, Sanchez, who knows if he's going to make an appearance. Lukaku, again, in doubt, shall we say. Uh, Samuel, do you expect United to play the strongest 11 at some point tomorrow, at least maybe start with the team that Solskjaer has in mind for Chelsea on the opening day? It would be logical, given that he he more or less did that against Christensen. When he was asked about it afterwards, he kind of, again, he did one of those things of addressing the question rather than answering it when he said, oh, well, if Paul Pogba's not it, I think it's safe to assume it's not close to the first 11. But that wasn't really the question. It was, you know, is is that more... uh, Be a good politician, wouldn't he, Sasha? Yeah, yeah, he would. Um, Although he's better away from the cameras, as he admitted himself uh, to us that time uh, a couple of weeks ago. So... Pogba's clearly, you'd imagine he's fit to come in, so you bring him in and you bring him in logically for Matic as well. And I think I think the one thing I'd say is that does Tuanzibi get one final audition to force his way into the team, Maguire permitting uh, for that Chelsea game? I still think Matter's probably the best forward United have got, but that cliche goes, the best players don't always make for the best team. And fitting him into that front four it's almost more hassle than it's worth mm. in terms of who you take out. And you're probably probably looking at it, you're thinking just because Matt has got to be number 10, 10 or the right or on the right. But which is why I, do you still I, persist mm, with that? I put so, him in Lingard in the select. Not that yeah, I expected that, and, but and at least they can You want them to change it up. Yeah, yeah. In the, and again, as, as we said before, option, the, what the team sheet looks like is not yeah. how it stays for the whole game. But it is a little bit lopsided where if you've got James Marshall and Rashford those are three players capable of playing on the left is it going to be a bit too much weighted that way or are they going to be able to you know dovetail and interchange as you say I think Rashford is pretty much you know, he wants to embrace this num- number 10 role if you can call it that or certainly just a, a fluid role it, it has come to the point now where when we pick teams for the panel or you're trying to predict the lineup in terms of where you're positioning them that front Doesn't four front really is kind of pointless now you could put them wherever because their remit move. is to move across the the front line and and just to be as un- unpredictable and as innovative as, as possible which is absolutely the way they should be going about it we shall see what they have in store. Sanchez, do you think he will make the trip down to South Wales? And do you expect, would you like to see him involved at some point? No, okay, no there I we wouldn't. Go. I, I really do not think he deserves. I mean, he scored two. <laughs> did he scored two goals at Copa America and a penalty. And a penalty. He yeah. scored two and assisted one, or scored one and assisted it, two. It says so much about his decline that when he came on against Barcelona and, and looked relatively lively <laughs> and Ter Stegen made a good save from him that United fans were suddenly interested in Sanchez and oh, should he start against Everton that weekend and it's, it is straw clutching with him and yes he did have a good Copa America but I think there was that comment from his coach that he cares more yeah cares more for Chile well in which case see ya sod off to back to Chile or you know go stay at home with Ataman Humber um it, it's it's that that has been a disaster. They're not going to shift him because of the wages, because of the contract length. Unfortunately, uh, that he, he is like 
he has to be a lesson learned in terms of recruitment going forward that they do not they do not sign that kind of player anymore with Dybala it's different because he's five years younger so you can argue that there's an exception to be made there but Sanchez is just it says a lot about him that you would rather see a 21 year old who's come in from Swansea player head of him for United and rightly so because with, with Daniel James there's a selflessness about him he gets up and down uh, he know, gets he, kicked as well yeah he, affect him. He, exactly he's not he's not perfect his crossing's a bit suspect his end product fits needs to just, be worked just on just fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah they've already coached the crossing out of yeah. him uh, but there's there's plenty to work on but there's also plenty to admire with him so you'd much rather see him getting in the team ahead of Sanchez do you not think that there's a new fluid forward line could suit Sanchez though if he were to get a chance maybe the fact that you don't have to stick to one position you is sort of high press you get to do lots of quick interchanging that that is possibly the get out for him they did try it briefly last season I think in November time at Bournemouth and at Juventus where he started as the centre forward but under Mourinho it was always a bit too rigid and players were too fixed in their roles so he has always got that get out and Solskjaer isn't going to say, look, I can't stand the sight of him. He, he just reminds me of how awful it was last season and he's always injured. He has tried to talk him up because he's pretty aware that he's going to have to use him at various stages because they're not going to shift him. So it's about you know, keeping his confidence up, making him feel wanted, making him feel involved and special and blah, blah, blah. But... As it stands, you every you'd rather see Gomez play ahead of him. You'd rather see Greenwood play ahead of him, and also if you're talking about players coming um, playing on the left, you'd rather see Chong play ahead of him. Chong's done very well from the left in pre-season, which has been a positive and a negative. Real but he's looked really good on the left, but United have got plenty of players who can look really good on the left. They need someone who's going to do it on the right. Almost feels a shame as well watching all these and. All those awful reserve games last season when Chong was on the right and just thinking, what yes. have you been playing on the left? Yeah, it was yeah. been so interesting to see, but who might knows? have got promoted. <laughs> might have got. Might well, been. actually, maybe not. They had no. Ricky Sprague yeah, in charge. So. Uh, well, some things can never be changed. Uh, final point on the team selection tomorrow, Samuel, is those two. It's Mason Greenwood and Teeth Chong. Difficult one, especially maybe with Greenwood. Someone who plays well off the bench doesn't necessarily mean they should start a game. It just means maybe they're a good mm. impact sub. Um, Greenwood, do you still see him as maybe going to be someone who deserves definitely to be on the bench against Chelsea? But do you think he could actually start the game on the right wing? Or I think the chance of that seemed to have subsided a little bit since the Inter game. He started against Tottenham and he didn't play particularly well. He looked a bit out of kilter with the rest there. Which look, forgive him that he's seventeen. Yeah. When we were at um, this hotel in, in, in Singapore, Singapore to, to interview Shaw. He it's was there life, as well. <laughs> really? The, I know. The listeners you, you, you were at the, the, the floating football pitch at yeah. the same time, uh, pressing the flesh with Pogba or whoever else. Um, but he was there and because he's 17, they don't want him doing any media whatsoever. So it's ironic that he'd go and do a commercial event. Yeah. But he didn't speak, and I think the, the compare who was chairing it, when she went to ask him a question, she kind of like realised right. as soon as she had off finished limits. asking it that he was off limits. And then when we walked down, downstairs to, um, to interview Shaw, and you're walking kind of like, I mean, he's within touching distance, Greenwood, and he's filled out, he's muscular, he's tall, he, he looks like a man already. But then he asked the press officer a question, which I think was, can I can I wait out there? And it was the tone and the way he said it, you realise he's 17. You know, if ever appearances were misleading in terms of um, a person's age or maturity, it was there. And at that point, it's a, it's a different take. It's a different aspect on whether he should start a game against Chelsea. Now, I, I think there's still a compelling case that he should. He should, he should certainly be in the squad. But when you see him in that environment, you realise how junior he is still and there is still an awful lot of much growing up to do. Um, and Solskjaer said, hasn't he, a lot through pre-season as well, Europa League can be where these youngsters really get their chance yeah. because it might be one thing playing really well against Perth Glory, but when you're in the Premier League playing against hard-hitting full-backs who don't, who don't care. But Greenwood, albeit in a pretty 
mean, well, it was a meaningless game against Cardiff. He did very well. Mm. He, he didn't score. Um, and Solskjaer said as well that he could have had five or six that night. Yeah, right? yeah. And it was interesting. Solskjaer was talking him up before the games kicked in on preseason that, you know, the Cardiff game helped him and that he played. He was their best player. He's gone away. He's come back stronger. Um, he seems to have you know, filled out a lot more. I think you could tell that just looking at the pictures from May and, and, and now uh, as well. So I think he is, he is first team ready. He's certainly, I mean, Solskjaer come like, scoffed at the suggestion that he was ever going to go on loan and, and rightly so there are certain players who just bypass under 23 level and I think Greenwood has even though he's had some minutes there so you want him to do well I think he's capable of doing well but the chance of him starting as I said I think they're you'd hesitate to say there's no chance whatsoever but given the way they lined up in Oslo and you'd imagine they'll line up a similar way against Milan and Cardiff that it'll probably be bench at best but I still think he can have an impact off the bench and let's face it if if Solskjaer does go with him and Chong on the bench that would be good I have my doubts both of them will be substitutes against yeah, Chelsea but that's that's kind of like the test of Solskjaer's Is he all idealistic talk? approach yeah. Is he all talk about these players being the future. I mean, he said Axel Tunzibi is going to be the future of this club in Singapore, he said, after the Inter game. If next week they've not signed Maguire or said they've signed Maguire but he's not match fit, but Maguire's out of out of the reckoning. If he starts with Jones alongside Lindelof, he's going to get pelters for that that quote. There are so many quotes Solskjaer has said that could come back to haunt him. And it's a real test of his commitment to this new Man United. Are you going to be putting these these youngsters um, ahead of the the Deadwood, frankly, or players that have outstayed their welcomes? I'm not saying Jones is Deadwood, but he's certainly a player that United should have been considering selling this summer before they kind of outpriced suitable um, clubs by giving him a new contract in February we shall see what how it all unfolds and let's hope Solskjaer doesn't have too many uh, words to eat of his own but we shall see what happens of course we will be back before United do kickstart the Premier League campaign and you're looking forward to your trip down to Cardiff then Samuel sound like you are excited to roll back the years see what what joys are in store it's it's always it's always good to go to the the Millennium Stadium as uh, purists have to have to call it so uh, I mean it's a friendly, isn't it? Yeah, but it's it it's it's a good it's a good it's a good one stadium last. to go to. Yeah. yeah, one last one, but we shall see. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Manchester Red podcast. Thank you very much, Samuel, for joining us once again. Thank you. Thank you to producer producer Ash as well for so seamlessly producing the unproducibles once again uh thank you very much for listening as well please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already and join us again next week where we will reflect on the game against ac milan and maybe we'll have our season preview game some predictions samuel you have to get that table back out and see how the transfers have affected it how the transfers i was about to say you've not even mentioned transfers being talked about in the next podcast but there you have next thursday don't worry we're all on it (laughs) manchester even news all day 7 a.m till midnight probably who knows we'll have all the latest transfer news thank you very much and see you next time